Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Chiefs take on the Denver Broncos on Sunday afternoon with an opportunity to clinch the AFC West if the Los Angeles Chargers fall to the Miami Dolphins in Week 14. So we got plenty to get you caught up on today. We'll kick things off with the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. They had some marinated takeaways after the Chiefs' Week 13 loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. After that, it's out of structure. They broke down what's gone on in these three straight losses to the Cincinnati Bengals and how the Chiefs can address those issues issues in case they face this team again in the playoffs after that it's the great british chief show breaking down our first full broncos preview of the week then we're going to take a quick time out when we get back it'll be chiefs coast to coast dive in a little bit more into the broncos as well as mark's week 14 locks for the kansas city chiefs after that it's show and bk previewing what the chiefs need to do when they have the ball on sunday to make sure they leave denver with a win That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Chiefs coming off a very disappointing 27-24 loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. It's time now to try to get you through it, to try to therapize you. I don't know if that's a word, but I think if there's anything (laughs) that therapize you, it would be our world-famous marinated takeaways. So, John, we will start with you. What is on your mind from this game? Well, I've had a couple of things occur to me this week. One of them is, how in the world did it get to be week 14 already? How did that happen? It seems like Very the quick. season just started, but that's that's just you know a piece of irrelevancy right there. Uh, the thing that struck me um, this morning after I got up was, you know, we had this big game and we lost it. People are upset. People are going crazy that they've lost three in a row to the Bengals. But that that's three in a row by a total of nine points. I mean, that's, you know, that's a, a, a margin that Patrick Mahomes could make up in four minutes of game time, yeah. you know? Um, and that's over three games. I mean, it's not as if the chiefs are getting destroyed in these games. They're they're, And yes, those games should count as victories. And that's the, that's what's always interesting about uh, NFL games. I think is that, Oftentimes they do turn on uh, on a, something that occurs over the space of a couple of inches, you know, a first down that isn't made or a catch that just goes off of somebody's fingertips and all of yeah. a sudden you lose a game by a field goal or whatever. They're going to count that way. That's the way it works. But at the end of the day, oftentimes these games turn on very small things. And mm-hmm. I think that's been the case in all three of these games. I have a related marinated takeaway, so it's nice that ours play into each other to, to start this thing. But I, I tend to think that easily what could be considered fixable mistakes provide narratives, the 180 treatment. What do I mean by this? Well, you got Travis Kelsey, who typically takes care of the football and is usually one of the major reasons that you win these games because he's so good and he draws so much attention and he makes your whole offense sort of tick there. Now, if Travis Kelsey doesn't fumble that football, what are we talking about on Monday? Well, the Chiefs are still the Super Bowl favorites. The Bengals don't have this unofficial Super Bowl type celebration that's going on in Cincinnati where you have the social media account bragging and saying a streak is a streak and so on and so forth. Patrick Holmes still is the best quarterback in the league, having finally beaten Joe Burrow. Justin Reed's trash talk is backed up. Harrison Butker isn't a problem. He's still fixed. 
all of these things will be taking place if Travis Kelsey doesn't fumble. The problem is Travis Kelsey fumbled. So now people right. have, about the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. People have questions as to whether the Bengals are a better team than the Chiefs. Is Joe Burrow better than Patrick Mahomes? Why is Justin Reed so irrelevant in a game where he talks a lot of trash going into it? And is Harrison Butker a problem? None of this is a question if Travis mm-hmm. Kelsey right. does not fumble. And I'm not killing Travis, but the fumble did happen. And I think that's what Andy's point about these mistakes in games are. If you mm-hmm. don't fumble, if you don't make the mistake, the entire city feels a lot different. It's it's such a crucial mistake. It's maybe not going after two extra yards when you already have a first down. It's going down. Kelsey, there has been moments where he's copped off the ball when he's trying for extra yards. It seems like that's really the only time when he really has a problem with this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you have these defenders that that know to, and this isn't just Kelsey, if the guy's going after for extra yardage, get your helmet on the ball, punch it out, so on and so forth. This was such a, a key part of the game, and I just think it shifted the narrative, a complete 180 of what this would have been had he just not coughed up the football. The Chiefs probably go up multiple scores and, and win the game, and it just it's just a completely different feel of the entire NFL. Now you go to the talking head shows, it's the Bengals are getting spicy again. The Chiefs are vulnerable. Why? Because <laughs> someone dropped the ball, really, when it comes down to it. That, that's why. It would be completely different. And I just think it's important to remember of, of how crucial when, again, it's two good teams. It's not, it's not, like, it's not like there's a ton of difference between these teams. I, I tend to think the Chiefs are in better shape still, but they made a crucial mistake in a, in a situation. There's other things that certainly have to be cleaned up. But you take that away. What are we talking about today? Something completely different, John. Right. Right. Well, and like I said, uh, you know, after Dunlap's play at the end of the at the end of the first half, I, I really felt like that was something that was going to be a momentum changer. And it did. You know, the Chiefs had been behind 14-3 in the second the second quarter. And then I think the they scored 14-3. I think that was the run that they had. Uh, then, you know, they basically turned it around on the Bengals and took the lead in the third quarter. And if Kelsey doesn't fumble that ball, they had momentum. They just held the the yep. Bengals to two drives with field goals, and they'd held them from scoring at all in two drives before that. They're driving down the field. They're moving the ball well. I mean, it was a 19-yard play that Kelsey had made before he uh, fumbled the ball, and it was uh, you know right at midfield. The Chiefs. I think almost certainly would have gotten a field goal on that drive, if not another touchdown. And with a touchdown, they would have been ahead by 11 points with, right. you know, in the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good margin again, you know, albeit against a Bengals team that can move the ball and had moved the ball pretty effectively. But on the other hand, they hadn't scored a touchdown since before halftime at that point. Right. So, uh, you know, it, 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 I think it would have changed, what happened. And I think the other lesson in this is if we're going to have this conversation about, oh, this was a loss, we have to treat it like a loss, and it's going to be counted as a loss now and forever, which is all true. That also means that when the Chiefs win a game by a field goal in the final seconds of the game, we should recognize that it plays the other way too. You know, that that uh, in any of these games that are decided in this way, we ought to be a little careful about how much we brag about them. Right. No, that that's true. I I I think you're you're 
right there. And I, I also think that, that there's something about beating a team by a small margin that that's also good. Right. I, I think if the Chiefs would have won the one score game against the Bills by one score, people would be thrilled. I think if the Chiefs had right, managed to win this right. game by a field goal less, like it's just these are small margins change it completely. I have a tough marinated takeaway for number two. And oh boy. and you know, look, what did what did Mary Poppins say? A spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. So get your sugar ready. I think the Chiefs are a Super Bowl contender without Tyree Kill. However, I think there are big games in which they really miss the X factor that that was hell. I think there were certain times last night where you, you say, okay, Mark was down the scantling is down the field. And Andy Reid, as we played before, noted that he is someone who could stretch the field. It's just not the same threat or player. Uh, now, can they win a Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's more difficult like significantly more difficult i just think about and it doesn't even really for me have to even be tyree kill i just think about if you were to take t higgins and put him on the chiefs instead of the Bengals. i, I just uh, he's a you know he's not even a, their jamar chase he's just a very talented receiver or gabe davis somebody like that i like mbs i think he can stretch the field he, he he's very much to me right now and we've had quite the sample size, just what he was in Green Bay. We thought there was a chance where he could come to Kansas City and maybe be a little bit better of a, a receiver as far as an all-around guy. And he's a guy that sometimes is going to get you the deep threat when he when he catches it. And you don't always know if he he will. And that that's really what he was for Aaron Rodgers. Juju Smith-Schuster is great, but he's another possession type of guy, yak man, like a Travis Kelsey. And I, I just think that exclamation point on being the Super Bowl team is missing without Hill. Can they get it done? Yeah, they can. It's it's these big games where I, I do think they're they're missing that element. And I think that's okay to admit because again, I'm not saying that they can't win a Super Bowl. It's just gonna be more challenging until they find that ultra threat that was the guy beyond what is Travis Kelsey. And and when you know, when Reed is sort of alluding to the idea of well, other guys were getting open. It's a difference between a Tyree Kill and a Juju or a Justin Watson or, or an MBS. And I think they got to learn to win these big games without them. And the, the two toughest ch- challenges on the, on the schedule so far, the Chiefs have lost. I mean, that, that's just reality at this point. I mean, we've only seen it with the Tom Brady Patriots. And, and mm-hmm. that even, you know, it feels kind of similar all of a sudden, right? Where there's similar losses. I think you could say the same about that era when they, you know, lost to the Patriots a couple of times. So. It does. Just think about overall in this season. I think we talked about this on a recent pod. Would you rather see this Chiefs team coast through the rest of the regular season without a major challenge and end up 15 and two and and the number one overall seed uh, without having really been tested or pushed or have that chip on their shoulder? Or would you rather see them go through some, you know, some hard times? And if you look back at the recent years, what was one of the hardest regular seasons they've had in, in recent memory was the 2019 season when they won the Super Bowl. So in, in some ways, uh, a loss kind of refocuses you. Or it pushes you. It says, hey, we're not – we haven't arrived yet. There's still uh, there's still a, a boogeyman out there, a, a villain that we haven't yet conquered. And maybe it gives them something to rally around as the, as the season goes on. It's funny you mentioned 2019. I was thinking about that before we started – 2019, that last L of the regular season was was middle of the year on the road against an AFC playoff team, the Tennessee Titans. Everyone kind of said, you know, Tennessee Tennessee might have the Chiefs number. They know how to beat the Chiefs. 
because and the Titans do, you know, they, they, they seem to, you know, have have good success against us. But it is pretty eerily similar stags. But, you know, they do have to finish out the regular season, you know, and, and, and they do have Denver this week. We'll get into all that. But sorry, I was I was also thinking about this game was a little bit of a mirror image. I said before it was it feels like the same football game. It's just maybe some of the roles are reversed. This week, the Bengals got out to a bigger lead and the Chiefs came back. Uh, there was a point there where it very easily could have been 21 to 3, which is the, the score that the Chiefs uh, had up on the Bengals last year. Uh, and the Bengals came back. It, it was about to be 21 to 3, if not for a big stop uh, by the Chiefs. And then uh, the Chiefs kind of turned around and, and, and got back in this one and got a lead and had that lead, you know, into the fourth quarter. And they had an opportunity to put this one out of reach. And so, really, the theme of the day for this one and, and for basically every Chiefs loss or, or, or every Chiefs game, right, it, it comes down to a handful of plays. And I know the team talks about this in these terms, but I think there was a handful of opportunities that were missed here that, you know, the Bengals, when they had the opportunity, they took advantage of it most of the time. They did have one dropped uh, easy touchdown that ended up as a field goal. But for the most part, um they took advantage of the opportunities they had. Uh, the Chiefs did not. They had – I've got a whole list of them here of opportunities that were missed, but uh, that was the theme for me is that, you know, one or two plays go differently and the Chiefs win this game, and it's, and it's not the same conversation today. Right, and I do think both sides of the ball, you know, have those missed opportunity examples. And, and you know, I do think, you know, we can go through them because I, I do think you're right. I think this game – we talk about football being a game of inches, and at one point it looked like the Chiefs could have comfortably won this game, and then there was one missed opportunity, probably the, the you know, the most egregious one. Nothing to, you know, hang our hat on, but, the, you know, that we have to, you know, talk about over and over. But the Travis Kelsey fumble in the fourth quarter, Chiefs up 24-20, driving, right? You know, he gets the ball – you know, the ball he caught, and he's gaining yards. He was at the midfield, wasn't he? You know, yeah, he was about at the logo, so – that was the most, the biggest one that stood out to me. But what, uh, what other missed opportunities are you kind of thinking about? Yeah, that, that that was number one. That was a, a yeah, it was a twenty yard reception. That that drive was off to a good start. They were going to be in business, you know, first down at the, uh, basically at the fifty, um, you know, the, the forty six yard line, whatever. But that was number one. Uh, there was also uh, one Thornhill interception that was overturned by a questionable pass interference call on Trent McDuffie. Yeah, but I think McDuffie battled Chase. I, I wouldn't say to a draw, but really did did a, a really nice job against Chase. I think we got a stat on that that we'll talk about in a minute. But that overturned interception. I mean, he, again, you could argue that maybe he doesn't get that interception if he doesn't slow up the receiver. But either way, you have a you have a turnover negated by penalty. Uh, there was another play I noticed where Chris Jones um, was just a, a, a hair away from batting down a pass that turned into a big play. Um, there was the, the fumble. There was the end of the shenanigans again at the end of the first half. Uh, <laughs> and then there was a couple opportunities in uh, throughout this game where the chiefs had, you know, short yardage opportunities and chose to pass um, and, and maybe should have run the ball. So maybe, uh, uh, take us through a couple of those, Ron. Well, this is where I want to, you know, bring in our first question because, or not our first question of the of from a mailbag, but just my question. I'm coming out of this, and I actually tweeted it out to the people, so you may have voted on the poll if you're listening to this. But 
if we did have to choose one side or the other to blame for the game, and I'm talking for the singular loss, you know, on the day, you know, which off which side contributed more to the final result being a loss. I, I think it's it's hard to pick between the two. And I'll start on offense because because you you mentioned I think one part of the offense, you know, not getting the job done today was they didn't learn their lessons from last year's losses to Cincinnati. They did run the ball more. They did run the ball today, but they still didn't do it situationally. And you just mentioned that I, I'll one of the ones that, you know, stood out to me, you know, the defense in the first half obviously is on the field a lot. You know, they can't get off the field. You need every point you can get. Well, the Chiefs' first drive, they settle for a field goal, right? 14-yard carry, 7-yard carry. They end up in second and three at the Cincinnati 8-yard line. Second and three. And they get two incompletions from there, and they settle for a field goal. Later in the game, fourth quarter, where where they're driving. It's on the last drive of the game, the last offensive drive of the game. They're running the ball pretty well. Not not just like completely, but they're, they're running the ball. They get a first down off a Pacheco run. They set up in first and 10 near, you know, past Cincinnati midfield. Three straight incompletions, including or not three straight incompletions, three straight dropbacks, you know, and and they don't get the the first down with the sack on the third down. Obviously, I just think that's kind of a general theme here is that you know the Cincinnati defense knows how to cover up Mahomes's pass lanes, knows how to make him hesitate, and so I do think they could have run the ball more, still in situations, right? Not just overall, not just you know blindly, but just situationally. I think they could have trusted it more, and that's where I kind of start with the offense, but. Man, you know, that last third down play, I will say, you know, I, as much as r- passing the ball, maybe I, you know, they could have ran the ball maybe there on third and three, which, you know, I, I get passing. Orlando Brown Jr. needs to make that block against a three-man rush. He can't get beat inside like that and disrupt the play. And that's really what what screwed them on that. You know, I think Mahomes could have went to McKinnon in the flat. But all that to say, I just think in general, the offense could have learned its lessons a little more from last year. Mahomes could have checked it down a little more instead of, you know, especially on that third down play. The offensive line could have pass protected more, understanding these three-man rushes. They just need to not let any penetration through at first, and that obviously wasn't the case. So uh, yeah, I think the offense didn't learn its lessons. There's a lot to unpack there, but, you know, if you look at those opportunities, I think I would agree that on, you know, third and three, and there was another second and three, uh, you know, getting towards the red zone, if the running game's working, like it, it actually pretty much was. You had McKinnon yes. and Pacheco both over 50 yards. Uh, Pacheco averaged 4.7, yeah. McKinnon 6.4. Yes. Uh, those guys were, were moving the ball. Uh, both of them also had you know some limited success in the screen game. And then you you just drop back you know and, and pass on, on short yardage. And to me, you run the ball on both of those opportunities there. In the second half, especially, you're running clock, so you've got you've got third down and three at the 33. There's three minutes left, or approaching three minutes left at this point. You've been driving the field. You've got a six minute drive already, and you know that your defense has struggled yeah. to to get off of the field. So you're sitting there at this opportunity. You've got three minutes left, and third and three you treat that like four down territory. As far as I'm concerned, you run the ball, which runs clock. If you make it great. First down keeps the drive alive. You don't make it. Now you're looking at fourth and one, which is a, a, a you know, a very manageable fourth down and you, you just go for it. Worst case scenario. You know, if you look at the, all the outcomes on that last drive, all the outcomes that could happen on third and three, 
if you draw back to pass, you could get sacked. You could have an incompletion. You could throw an interception, right? There's a lot of things that could happen there. You run the ball on third and three. You get stuffed. It's fourth and three or, you know, uh, maybe a, a loss. Um, but it's still short yardage, still fourth and short. You make the first down. You're running clock. You're moving the moving the chains. Again, if you don't, it's, a, it's fourth and short and you can continue going. Uh, the drawback there didn't make a lot of sense to me in, in retrospect. Sure, it's easy probably for us to to Monday morning quarterback this thing uh, quite quite literally, but um, I, I think you're right. They had enough carries in the running game. They had enough success, but situationally, let's be smarter about it and let's right. uh, you know let's pay attention to the clock and pay attention to how your defense is playing. And, and use your running backs to get three yards. I mean, if, right. if you can't trust your running backs to get three yards, then, then what are you doing? Right. No, I think that last the last drive is a great example because, you know, you just went through it. But the field goal kick, you know, and that's where, you know, we can talk about this too, is, is even attempting that 55-yard field goal, you know, I, you're, you're setting yourself up to kind of have a lose-lose situation. I don't really – you know, you're, you're kicking a 55 yard field goal. And if he makes it, it's tied up and the Bengals have the ball back with, you know, five minutes, four minutes to go. Um, and your defense has just given up, you know, a, although, you know, I guess your defense, yeah, they just did give up a touchdown drive. So they did. Just, yeah, and, exactly. And yeah, that, that field goal was kicked at 324 left in the game. So you got to know at that point, if the Bengals get the ball, you're not getting it back again. Right. Exactly. exactly. You give it to them. They're they're probably going to drive the field. Or if you get it back, you're going to be down again. Right. So, yeah, you kick the field goal and make it. You're tied. Kick the field goal and miss it. You've just given them even better field position. uh, And they have the ball now to run the clock out. Uh, Yeah. To me, you know, you don't kick there. It just it just doesn't make any sense. There's the upside's not there. I, I agree. And and that's just on the offense for putting themselves in that position, you know, and that can fall on Andy Reid a little bit for the play calling. Right. I think, you know, that's, that's part of it. Uh, you know, we talked about the running, but um, yeah, I, that's where I, the offense kind of, you know, makes me think, Hey, they should have won this game. The offense had the chance to, we already talked about the fumble, but the defense does, you know, obviously deserve blame as well. Yeah. So that's where it makes this a tough conversation. Cause we look at the defense and a lot of the things that we were mad about last year that we thought we got better at last year, you know, the tackling, maybe the effort, right? Um, I mean, that was the biggest thing to me, Stags. I think it was to you too, just the the open field tackling. It was still bad. And that was really one of the deciding factors and in, in not getting off the field and, and allowing some of these touchdowns was not tackling, you know, in, 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 in the open field. I think that was the main thing to me. I mean, what more could you ask for this Christmas holiday season <laughs> than getting to play this Denver Broncos team twice down the stretch when you need to win to try to get the number one seed back? Like, yeah. I mean, if, if you ever, boys and girls, if you ever didn't believe in Father Christmas, this is proof right here that Santa Claus does exist, that we get <laughs> to play Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos twice going down the stretch to, to, end, to end this season. I mean, this this Broncos team is, I mean, it's just horrible. It, I mean, they're, they're a terrible, terrible, terrible team. Uh, Russell Wilson is a character of a celebrity at this point at best. He's a five foot nine, 
quarterback on the wrong side of 30 whose arm strength isn't what it used to be mm-hmm. and you have a head coach who's completely out of his depth i mean this is just i mean if the chiefs don't go go into this game and walk away with at least a three score victory then i'm concerned with the chiefs like the chiefs should automatically walk into walk into the stadium and say let's ride let's and ride. just run rough shot right <laughs> over this broncos team <laughs> You know, there's one word that I would, say, I would actually describe the Denver Broncos right now, and that is disconnected. That's right. Because the quarterback seems disconnected with his O-line and obviously his receivers. Um, the the head coach seems to be disconnected with his quarterback. That's right. The whole thing, the whole setup right now with the Broncos is, it's horrific. It is horrific, and and they can't seem to get anything going. I mean, they looked like they were actually going to win a game in the last game, don't they? Um, they looked like they were going to win a game uh, with just nine points. <laughs> I mean, to hang on to a game where you think you're going to win a game at nine points, I mean, where is the ambition from that team to actually go and strive to actually score more points? I mean, yeah, they clearly are trying, but the, the complete disconnect from Every part, every element of it, of that franchise at the moment, is glaringly obvious. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. I think that for some reason, in Russell Wilson's mind, he's still a top three quarterback yeah. in the NFL, and he can, and he's Mister Unlimited. It's Mister Unlimited. But he needs to learn that he's a hundred percent limited. It's Mister Limited. Like. Like literally, your height alone makes it so that you can't line up under center. You're one. They run a 100% shotgun offense because he can't see over his tackles. I mean, I mean, like Drew Brees had the same limitation, and Drew Brees, you know, went on to have a great Hall of Fame career, and Russell Wilson's going to be a Hall of Famer as well. But what you see with these smaller quarterbacks is that a you need to have an elite head coach and scheme mm-hmm. to kind of to kind of offset that limitation and then b when they fall off they fall off fast like there is no gradual decline for a five foot nine five foot ten quarterback in the nfl right like you're not gonna just like just slowly have a downhill slide like tom brady has had you know throughout the course of his career it's it's when it happens it happens fast and i think that russell wilson is Oh man, can you believe that they gave him two hundred million dollars? That they're just stuck with this. Like they're just stuck with this for the foreseeable future. Like, like they can't even trade him away. They can't even trade him away for that because who's going to pick that up? (laughs) Yeah, they are just stuck with Russell Wilson as their quarterback. Doesn't matter if they get another coach. Like, like that is their situation, and they they can't cut him. They can't trade him. They could they could draft somebody, but they're still gonna they're they're still gonna be in salary cap hell because of this contract, you know. And uh, it's just such a great day to be a Chiefs fan <laughs> when the Denver Broncos are in such a predicament. Like like the Las Vegas Raiders are terrible and the Denver Broncos are terrible, and the Chiefs are 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 nine and three. I mean, yeah, we lost on Sunday, but think life is still really good. Oh, I mean, we, me and Tom said this in the last couple of weeks of the show. It was just the Chiefs have wrapped up the West already, um, and and we can drop a game like that against the, the the Bengals and still be quite confident because we're still three games ahead, aren't we? You know, yeah. um, and and three games ahead with a tiebreaker. 
Um, and yeah, it, we can be confident with it. Um, yes, we're chasing the, the 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 one seed, and that's obviously something that we've we've still got our set our sights on. But we've got to get through the annoyance of actually playing a Russell Wilson led Broncos team that is. Well, it, it basically crap. Let's just say that. Um, and, and I know you came here for analysis, but crap's probably the only word I can actually describe right now that the the Broncos are playing because we all said that the Broncos team, especially with the wide receivers they've got, like you know, like the likes of Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, you you expected them if they could find their quarterback, they were going to be the team that's going to challenge the AFC West. They were going to challenge the Chiefs, um, and. We all said it. We all kind of got hoodwinked into the fact that they all they needed was a top level quarterback. When Russell Wilson was signed, I must admit, I I was I was fearing the worst because I actually thought, Do you know what, that's probably going to tip them over the edge now. That's probably going to be something that they can really hang their hat on. Now we're going to have Russell Wilson for quite a few years in the league. It's going to be a battle now because obviously we've got Justin Herbert there. I'm not really particularly bothered about Derek Carr, but Herbert and Wilson, I thought, God, this is going to be a real struggle getting out of this league. There we are in November, where the Chiefs have literally wrapped up the AFC West um, and and cruising through Christmas. It, it it like you said, it's beautiful being a Chiefs fan right now. It really is. Um, and even come back off a loss against the Bengals, you know, it, we do feel confident. We do feel happy about this team. And long may it continue. I I just hope a lot of these teams just still keep messing up because the Raiders keep messing up as well. Uh, I think they were on about trying to tie in Derek Carr with another long-term contract. Whether that's going to happen or not, I don't know. It's, you know, I'm just laughing in the sidelines right Uh, now. (laughs) I hope so. And I think, I think one of the things you could really point to with this Denver Broncos team is that they're not, they're not talent bereft. Like they're not talent deficient on either side of the ball. They have players like, if you give Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Joe Burrow, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and um, what's the first name of their tight end? Dolich. Uh, oh, Dolchich. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dolchich. Whatever his first name is, can't remember off the top of my head. Dolchich, he's a, he's a great young player as well. You give them those targets, mm-hmm. and they're going to put up points, and they're going to win football games, especially when you have the defense that they have on the other side of the ball. Like, they have players, some playmakers on defense as well. Like, there's – no excuse for Russell Wilson to be as bad as he has been and for them not to be able to score touchdowns, which is why you have to put a hundred percent of the blame on the quarterback and on the head coach. Um, and I honestly, for one, I feel bad for Cortland Sutton. He had a chance to get out this past, this past off season oh, yeah. and he chose, he chose to sign resign with the Denver Broncos. And they probably told him, well, hey, man, we're going to get Russell Wilson in here and we're going to actually make a run at this thing. And we got a great offensive-minded coach. I mean, he's been working with Aaron Rodgers the last few years, you know, and he and Aaron Rodgers won back-to-back, you know, MVPs. And so we're going to get that scheme in here and it's going to be a pass-happy offense. And, man, it's just going to be really great for you, Cortland. You need to re-sign with us. (laughs) Well, again, again, everybody got hoodwinked by it. Um, And it just seems to be that... Yeah, Russell Wilson really isn't the answer, but uh, tough. Denver fans, <laughs> you've got him for a long time. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Just a couple of facts to go through at the minute as well. Um, with a win against the Broncos, Andy Reid will only be the third head coach in NFL history to have eight consecutive double-digit winning seasons. That's pretty darn good for Andy Reid, isn't it? You know, eight consecutive winning seasons is one thing, but having it in double-digit <laughs> winning seasons, 
That's pretty darn impressive. And only the third head coach to do it as well. I mean, it just shows the consistency of of his coaching ability and the and the and that even with roster turnover, you know, year in, year out, he gets the most out of his players. And, you know, you can say what you want about, you know, time management or his lack of a killer instinct. And, you know, those are some fair criticisms, but the man has a formula that works. Like he like he knows he knows how to get a lead and he knows how to hold on to it and and basically ride out the clock and get a victory, you know, and it's a formula that served him very, very well. And he's won a lot of NFL games and the best, the best thing that ever happened to the two best things that ever happened to the chiefs were Clark hunt getting on that plane and flying out to Philadelphia to meet with Andy Reed and yeah. not come back until he got, got him signed. And then them obviously drafting Patrick Mahomes. Like those are the two brightest moments in Chiefs history. And so we should be very thankful because there's a lot of teams year in, year out that are looking for head coaches. I mean, heck, the Indianapolis Colts just pulled a guy off the, off of TV uh, and ESPN and Jeff Saturday, you know, to try to fill fill their vacant coaching position. I mean, there's wow. such there's so many teams whose head coaching positions are such a train wreck and they just they, they spend years trying to find the right guy and they spend years trying to find the right quarterback. And we spent years trying to find the right quarterback and trying to find the right guy. Like we went, like, like, like we gave our pound of flesh of fans. We had our Todd Haley's and our Romeo Crennel's, you yeah. know, over the year, we had Tyler Thigpen and Brody Croyle yeah. starting football games and Damon Heward. And so, you know what? We've earned this. As we, deserve this. <laughs> we deserve this. We, we went through the suffering and now we finally are that team that has the legendary quarterback head coach combination. And I just hope that Andy Reed doesn't eat too many cheeseburgers because we just, we need the man in good health. Like, like Patrick Mahomes, stop building Whataburgers near Andy. <laughs> Don't build one near Andy Reed's house. Like we need to cordon off a certain like green zone area of no cheeseburger establishments yeah. within like a 10 mile radius of Andy Reed's house. Cause we need the man in good health. We need him in good health. So he can continue to coach this football team and lead us into the future. Just talking about quarterbacks there and the draft and stuff like that. I feel sorry for young quarterbacks these days going into the draft because every team is still looking for the next Mahomes. You see it all the time, don't you? They they pick it, you know, they they go high, they, you know, they get these quarterbacks coming out of the college that have, yeah, they've got the numbers and they've got the, you know, the flashy plays and stuff like that. But when they get into the NFL, a lot of them don't make it. A lot of them don't really kind of, uh, you know, cut the mustard, so to speak, um, because everybody's looking for the next Mahomes. And it's it's that level now that a lot of these teams are looking for um, that I, I it's like it's almost like. It's like the Holy Grail that you can't find. You can't reach it. Mahomes is Mahomes. You ain't going to get anybody else better than Mahomes. Um, and teams just need to give up on it. I'm, I'm trying to find a, a, a next Mahomes because there isn't one out there. I heard you giving this defense his flowers on your uh, pre-show spaces, so I already know how you feel about this defense. You giving them respect. How about a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, they're top three in every stat. You know, and I saw a crazy stat, right? If they just had an average offense, you know, there would be a nine or ten win team right now. It's bad, man. Like, it, there would it, be it, a nine or ten win team if they just had just the average. 
average offense, Aaron. Just yeah. average. Nets yard per game, they're 27th. Yards per play, 26. Points per game, they're worst in the league. Time of possession, bottom half, rushing and passing, bottom half. I mean, it's it, it's nightmare scenario if you're thinking about where this team was when they acquired Russell Wilson to now where they actually are 13 weeks in with Russell Wilson. I think everybody and their mom wants a redo of this trade, but they're gonna just going to have to eat this one. Andy Reid talked about Russell Wilson today and said he still sees some semblance of his old self. I thought we had, we didn't have sound for that. No, my bad. I thought we did too. Oh, uh, okay. You go. <laughs> yeah. He said he doesn't have it. No worries. Okay. Uh, wh- what have you seen from Russell Wilson this year? I mean, he's a bottom five quarterback this year. I mean, if you look at any metric, it will, it will tell you that. I mean, yeah. it, it's really, it's mind boggling. And you know what? I, before they got him in the offseason, I even said that I'm not sure why people are so high on, on this acquisition, especially when you consider they have a first time head coach. Nathaniel Hackett, they have a new they have a new uh, offensive lineman. He has new receivers. He didn't play one snap in the preseason, and I was saying at the time, I don't understand why is that the case. You no, are a preseason king. You love preseason. Preseason poppy over there in L.A. Mark. I mean, but seriously, we have a whole new scheme, a first time head coach, new receivers, a new offensive line. Why don't you play at least a little bit in the preseason? I mean, Mahomes even played in the preseason. I mean, I just, it didn't make any sense to me. And I, I think, you know, that was a, a part of it, right? When you're starting playing behind the eight ball, you don't have any chemistry. You don't have the timing. And then secondly, if people watch Seattle the last couple of years, he's been declining. He's not the same Russell Wilson. He wasn't before they, they made the trade. So Seattle, they got out in front of it. They saw it coming and they made one of the best trades in NFL history. I mean, that pick is going to be a top three, top five pick. And you got freed up a lot of cap space. Uh, Seattle can make the playoffs this year. So they're ahead of schedule. And you're going to have a top five pick with a lot of cap space. So that was one of the biggest robberies, not only in NFL history, but sports history. Because Russell Wilson's not going to get better. He's only going to get older. So I, I don't see how this is going to work out. And then to add salt on the wound. They gave this man an extension. Big time money. A single down. So now you're stuck with him for the next four or five years because nobody's going to trade for him. Yeah, you know, I'm a big JTL Sullivan guy, quarterback school on uh, YouTube, Patreon, and he's breaking down. He usually breaks down winners. He's done Russell Wilson a couple times, and ultimately what he decides on is decision-making is also bad. It's not just that he's getting older. He's a 30-year-old, mid-30 guy who's – Kind of the the game is getting faster than he is, uh, you know, deciphering information. You know, it's a lot of bad decision making on tape and Kansas City is going to try and force him into making a lot of bad decisions. I know Steve Spagnuolo will talk about that ad nauseum tomorrow. Do you put any stock into there being a 13 game winning streak against Denver? I I remember a, a, a quote floating around preseason that. You know, you talked about Kansas City's big goals being win the division, get to the AFC title game, whatever, whatever. I remember one of the the Denver reporters saying beat Kansas City was on their was on their training camp was on their training camp list and you know that streak is ending this year. Do you put it cuz I remember and I'll toss it to you after this. It was at like 9 or 10 in a row one of my first seasons covering K, uh, KC and I asked Andy Reid and he's basically just like, look, that the, those games don't win this game. We don't even care about that. That number means absolutely nothing to us. Does it mean something or does it mean nothing? 
I think for Kansas City, it means nothing. I think for Denver, it obviously does. I mean, the Chiefs are the standard in the, in the division. You obviously want to knock them off. That's how you can reach your goals by winning the division. Obviously, that's not something in the cards for the Broncos this year. But, you know, I think at this point, with them being at the very bottom, you know, you, know, you kind of can take away something from the season. Like, hey, we beat Kansas City one time, right? And because, because <laughs> like, look at it. You're wrong for that. You're wrong. Seriously, though, because I would say this, but it doesn't even apply because they can't even tank, Aaron. They don't have their first-round pick. So it's like you might as well win because losing is not really doing anything for you except maybe making you have a, a higher second-round pick. I'm not even sure they even have their second-round pick. I can't remember, but I know they don't have their first. So you can't even tank. So you might as well try to win the game. This is from the Chiefs Media Guide. Casey has won 13 straight against the Broncos, franchise record for most consecutive wins against a single opponent. A win on Sunday would move the Chiefs into the fifth longest winning streak against a single opponent in NFL history. So I guess it's time to figure out what's going to happen on Sunday. Mark's got all the answers, so let's head down to Vegas and get them. Place your bets. Oh, there it is. There it is. Two touchdowns. Win by Elite Insurance. Let's go to Vegas with Mark. Oh, you just can't contain a smile on your face when that you even smiling after what happened last week. I, I just love I just love that 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 song. I just love it. Or whatever you want to call it. I just love it. <laughs> I love when you say two touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, that's your go-to. I can't wait till you say it about this game this week. But first, before we get your predictions for this week. We have to revisit what was a dark week here on Chiefs Coast to Coast. <laughs> Mark Gunnels went 0 for 3 in his predictions last week. It was a tough one, and he previously was two weeks undefeated, so he was kind of due. He picked over total yards on Mahomes. That number was 345 and a half. Mahomes didn't even hit 250 total. 81 and a half receiving yards over for Kelsey. That didn't hit either. Kelsey only finished the game with 56 receiving yards and then mark liked the chiefs to win the two and a half and uh we know how that one ended so oh and three that has not happened yet this season speaking about turning the page as we've tried to turn the page from cincinnati mark guttles is going to try and turn the page from cincinnati as well we're on to denver his season total is 17 and 15 we're still above above 500 we're going to try and keep it that way so mark what you got for us so before I do that, let me reflect one one quick oh. second. <laughs> you can't turn the page. No, but no, seriously, because you know I gotta, I have to, I can't reflect after wins and not do it after losses. That would be front running, right? So the worst part about this is Vegas always has a way of humbling you, right? Because I was seventeen and twelve. I'm thinking I could run away from that five hundred line this week. But now it's like, uh-oh, I'm only two games over <laughs> now. back up, yeah. Now I got to still fight my way to keep over 500 for the year. Because this, this could be my separation week. If I go 2-1 and one or 3-0, and oh, you can pretty much say I'm, I'm going to be over 500 for the year, right? Pretty comfortably, I think. I don't want to say anything now comfortably. Now, now it's like, uh-oh, now you're back. Only two games over. And none of none of them were even close. That's, that's what hurt the most. None of them were even close to hitting. Kelsey, so. maybe, but he, the, 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 the first half is what killed you with Kelsey. And I know we didn't touch on that in our game review or whatever, but Kansas city cannot go an entire half without Kelsey having to catch, even if it's just a quick dummy pass or drop off or whatever, 
it was just so weird and and it just showed you how they looked without him yeah so let's move on though so i have three plays again this week i'm starting off with the spread i'm taking the chiefs minus nine and a half look i don't see the broncos being able to score that many points i know their defense is really good but i just believe the chiefs can cover this by default based on how inept the Broncos' offense is. So they may win by exactly 10, 13, 14. I'm not predicting a complete blowout here, but at nine and a half, I think they can at least win by 10 points in this game. And I'm also going with the total points, alluding to that. I know you were in my space, and I didn't give it away. The, the total right now is at 43. How can I not take the under here? You have to love the under in this spot. You can't take the over in any Broncos game. I don't see them scoring more than 14 points. I think they're in that 10 to 13 area, especially now with Cortland Sutton. I don't know if you saw that report. He's most likely out this week. That's a big hit to their offense. So I think the Chiefs score around 24, 21-ish, while the Broncos are in that 10 to 13 area. So at 43, I think that's way too many points here. So take the under. And then my third play, I got one player prop. I'm going back to the well again, Aaron. I know it failed me last week. Travis Kelsey's over on receiving yards. They brought it down a little bit. It's at 75 and a half this week. I think he bounced back in a major way. And before the last week, well, the last two weeks, he didn't get that over on this total. But before that, he hit the over in five straight games at this number. So I think he gets back to that this week. I know it's a really good defense, but you could tell he was really, really angry. I think they really make it an emphasis to feed him early and often. So those are my three plays. Chiefs minus nine and a half, the under on the total points at 43, and the over on Travis Kelsey's receiving yards at 75 and a half. Usually I feel good about your picks, but these make me nervous. These make me nervous, Mark. You don't... You know, what's your, do you like the under? Love the under. That's an easy, that's a layup. I mean, Broncos. That's my favorite score. Score. My favorite. Yeah. The, the, the thing with the chief spread and the Kelsey thing, it, the chief spread is, you know, they they play down to their opponents. We've talked about this on this podcast before. There's no juice in this game. This game has been flexed from prime time. No, nobody even wants to put up with the stench of the Denver Broncos offense so bad that they'll flex Patrick Mahomes at a prime time. Nine and a half seems like too many points there. And then with predicting Chiefs pass catchers, you just never know who it's going to be. Kelsey is my one guy who you usually think is the is the safety blanket or like, all right, I'll make my money back here. But I get nervous. It's Wednesday in the injury reports. I don't know who's going to be active as well. Let's just hope you stay above 500. Baby. He's got to go two and one this week, man. Just give me two and one. I'll take it. <laughs> He's hedging his bets. Chris Kilt is rocking with us on YouTube, says KC definitely has to move on from last week and stay focused on winning the division. Probably will have another crack at Cincy. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree. I think you will play them again. Uh, like I said, depending on get the one seed or not, you're probably going to have to play them and Buffalo. So That's all the show I had written down. You... What you doing this weekend? Um, just some more Christmas shopping. Last minute, I guess I can't say last minute. It's, it's, not last minute. Okay. it's big border war energy, baby. I'm gonna be in oh, Colombia yeah. on Saturday. Yes, sir. I, I'm clearing COVID protocols some point this next couple weeks. This next couple can you days. Buy a billion? Can we you should buy a billion? 
We should put like a little friendly, a little friendly wager on it or something like that. Well, you know, you're not gonna you're gonna ask for points. I already know that. You no, know, because the tiger tigers are undefeated. You know they nine and zero. Or do you need points? Or are you taking it straight up? I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need. Okay, okay, okay. They lost for like thirty seven last year. Mark, come on. Well, don't, don't don't talk all big and bad. We're nine and zero. All right, we do this every week when the uh, when the Chiefs have the ball and listen, they uh, they ought to dom not to give away the prediction segment, but they ought to dominate this damn game. Uh, the Denver Broncos stink; they're horrible. Uh, I thought this was going to be somewhat of a game. They've got an idiot uh, as a as for football wise. I don't know what he is in the regular scheme of life, but in terms of head coaching in football, they've got an idiot running it, and Nathania Nathania Hackett. And then, and then the rest of their little operation sucks. So I, listen, I'm not real fired up. <laughs> it's I'm safe not, to say Nate Hackett is an idiot. Right? Yeah, Nate. I just, yeah, I listen. Terrible. I'm just gonna be honest with the guy about just football wise. I don't know. I don't know what he is in terms of political science or or <laughs> biology or uh, or English. Maybe really he's in the American literature. History, I'm sure. I don't know. But when it comes to head coach footballing. He is a professional idiot, and they have him uh, laced and ready to go. So when the Chiefs have the ball, like this isn't, this isn't really about something like, oh, boy, this could be the difference in the game because, I mean, I think the Chiefs could turn it over five times and win comfortably. But uh, I do think we need to probably touch this because the Chiefs got five games left, and so does Orlando Brown. And I think – when you think about a lot of things, he was the number one name to come out in terms of frustration. There were so many little videos made about Orlando Brown and how quickly he was given up uh, 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 pressure, including the one that led to the 55-yard field goal attempt because he couldn't keep a rookie who had one sack on the season off of his quarterback on the blind side. It seems like he needs help to just block, block regular-ass folks. So – I think Orlando Brown is probably somebody to watch in this game because the Denver pass rush, even though they lost Brad Chubb, uh, the Denver pass pass rush is still really, really good. It's so frustrating, man, because I, I tried to – Damn, BK, you should sound defeated with, with him. I mean, good Lord. There's a reason oh. for it because, like, I kind of tried to hold off on it last year because I was like, you know what? I think he's better than people are giving him credit for. I, I don't think this has been as bad as people that are out here just trying to lay it all at the blame of He's had a couple Brown. of glaring spots. Yeah. And I, I still believe that was true last year. It ain't true this year, man. <laughs> he's he's getting whipped consistently. And I think what's most frustrating is like last year, I think they put him on an island a decent amount where it was like, hey, Orlando, you basically go be a top five offensive tackle. Let's see Let's what happens. Let's try to treat him like that. Yeah. yeah. And this year, I, I don't think they've done that as much, especially lately, where it's been more of like, hey, we'll give you a chip, whether it be with the tight end or with the running back. Hey, we're going to uh, we're gonna try to move the pocket. Like They've done some stuff to try to make things easier on him in the passing game. And it just really hasn't mattered. I think he had a couple of good games there against the Chargers and against the Rams. But, like, th those teams aren't the teams that you're competing with. When they've gone up against the quality opponents on their schedule this year, he has really struggled. And I, I think what it amounts to is just 
I don't know how you can possibly have any sort of confidence that this guy is going to get better and will be the left tackle of the future that they hoped that he would be. And so you said he's got five weeks left. Let's hope that he has like nine weeks left, including the Super Bowl. But after that, I, I think that you probably franchise tag him again in the offseason and trade him somewhere. You cut your losses and you say, we, we need to find somebody else. But this week, as you put him under the microscope, it's got to start looking better, man. Down the stretch, he's got to figure out what, what he can do to make himself a better football player to help this team win games. Yeah, man, he's got like he's got to he's got to do. I, I mean, I wonder if they if they thought of making a move or or doing something. I don't know if they can. I, I don't know if you can right now with him. I think he's but, their best option right now, but in the off season, I think that's something you got to consider. But yeah, man, he's got to pick it up, man. I I mean, it it it's bad, dude. Like you had like for, for him, he's got to be able to, to like even even who Denver's going to roll out here, and Denver has a good pass rush. Like he's got to be able to pet. He's got to be able to take care of those guys by himself. It's, I'm not. It, now, I'm not. Now, I'm not going to actually. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say Khalil Mack and Chandler Jones and, and, and Max Crosby and some of those cats. But these guys that the Bengals are rolling out here, they're they're good guys, good good players. He's got to be able to handle those guys. I think the most frustrating part with this offensive line as a whole, and specifically Orlando Brown, is that. We've seen them play well this season. <laughs> like we've we've seen them put together competent football games. And then man, when they have lows, they're really low and they're really bad. And and it and it totally disrupts the Chiefs game plan, like it did in Cincinnati. And I don't understand why we can see them get up sometimes and then sometimes they just get totally exposed like that, which you know that happens when you have inferior players, I guess. But he's supposed to be better than this. Like, he, he's supposed to be more consistent than this. This is a guy that's playing for a contract and is getting totally exposed in his contract here. Uh, it's, it's, like, it, it was, ba- it was glaring. It was glaring. Like, you thought he's going to be, be Eric, Eric Fisher, better than Eric Fisher. And, and I, I don't, I, like, I, I don't know where we are in terms of him versus Eric Fisher right now. Fisher just got signed. He might be better. <laughs> talking about the Eric Fisher that played. I, I don't know where we are right now in terms I, of that. And, it, and I, I think they're pretty close. similar. And, and I think that's the problem, right? That's the like, problem. It's too damn close to that. It, exactly. Because Orlando Brown Jr. wants to be paid like a top three offensive tackle in the NFL. You, you didn't necessarily have to do that with Eric Fisher. And so I, I think that what you see right now is Orlando Brown, given what he's going to make money-wise, he's just not worth that that kind of money. And it, he, he's a liability right now. Pro Football Focus has him for the most hurries allowed by any offensive tackle in the NFL this year. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have seen that stat. And if you look at the pressures, he's tied for the second most in the NFL this year among offensive tackles. Well, I, so, th- I, I, thought him and, I thought him and Wiley were one too. I think that changed after this week, but they're both really high up there. I mean, Wiley's tied for seventh, so he's he's allowed 16. Uh, Orlando Brown has allowed 19 in terms of the hurries on the year. Thank you with your stats. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, the, yeah, Orlando's one thing. Can, can we be honest about something? Y'all miss y'all missing McCole Hardman yet? I miss Kadarius Tony. When's he coming back, sir? Yeah, y'all you gonna be back this miss, week? Y'all miss uh, them boys. And he's practicing. No, I don't seriously, think he's is he? Play. I, Why I don't, don't you? Because I was gonna say he's practicing. He, he, 
especially this year i feel like the chiefs have been really cautious with injuries and they've been really cautious at speeding guys back and trying to get them back on the field knowing the chiefs rest of season schedule i don't think there's any need for them to hurry him back and so i think they play it cautious kind of like they did with joe tooney last week where we saw him practice all week and then he just didn't play and andy well, they like, could have used him well we Andy Reid was like, well, we ramped it up a little bit, but we just decided he wasn't quite ready, so we let him sit another week. And that's kind of been their approach all season long to try to keep these guys healthy. So. And if there's anybody you want to go cautious with, it's Kadarius Tony, who has yeah, like, the that. worst injury history in the NFL over the last two and, seasons. And the injury that it is, the hamstring, he, he needs that to be. You need him to be. Can't mess around with that with him because he is, he, is he is very vital and very important. Like yeah. those two guys. Like I know we joke and stuff around, but those two cats and hopefully McCole Hardman is back next week. They said he's put back on weight. Thank God for that. Um, but those two, their, their explosiveness and what they do to the defense and their ability to get separation and what coverage they potentially draw away from people. And I mean, I, I trust both of them and I know McCole has had drops issues, but like, you know, you, you, you get the feel you trust them a little bit more than you trust MVS. Like you, you feel like MVS, man. One out of three, you think he may come down with, but they need they need those threats out there. They need those threats in a major way. And it looks, I'm hope, I hope, I hope Kadarius Tony is well enough to play on Sunday, because I, I would love to, I would love to see him. Because let's just be honest, I mean, I think we know a little bit what we got with McCole Harvin. He's been here a while. I mean, Kadarius Tony has really, really been one week in which we really got to see him a lot. So you, I mean, you want him to get revved up a little bit to have some sort of, some sort of uh, chemistry leading into the playoffs. Cause I do think he is going to be a, a key part to this team. Yeah. I think the biggest area where you need those guys is, is in the red zone. And I know last week you ended up going three out of four once you got there, but it, it just felt hard, man. It, it felt like it was really hard work for the Chiefs once they got there. The week before, they were the one that was the one for six game in the red zone against the Rams. So since Kadarius Tony and McCole Hardman, both of them have been out over the last two weeks. They're four for ten in the red zone. That's just not going to get it done. And that's where a lot of that creativity comes in. The jet sweeps, the uh, quick screens. You, you throw it out to them. You hope that they end up making a man miss, and then they're able to get into the end zone. They just don't trust anybody else to run that stuff. And I don't know totally why. Like, I think Juju could be a guy that he's not super um, fast or anything, but he's physical. Throw him out some of those screenplays that you've been given to McCole Hardman or Kadarius Tony. Run Sky more on some of that jet sweep stuff. I think they have players that can do it, but for whatever reason, they haven't really gone into that bag. And until those guys get back, we have no reason to believe that they will. So, yeah, whether it be this week or, you know, as we get closer to the playoffs, which would be my guess, hopefully we get one, I would hope, two of them back by the end of the season. And then you're able to get some of that stuff back into the the red zone offense because they're missing it badly right now.